Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good afternoon from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. I am flying solo today. I actually got a call from Tommy Butts yesterday with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Actually, he didn't call me, he texted me and said, hey man, what are you doing about sedge? And I said, well, I've gotten some calls and texts about sedge. And then he replied and said, well, can you come on our podcast and talk about it with me? I said, sure, I'd love to come on your podcast and talk about it as long as I can drop it on our podcast too. And of course, he agreed to that. And we recorded the podcast. So what you're going to hear from this point forward on the Mississippi Crop Situation podcast is the recording from their audio, which is the Arkansas Weeds Are Wild podcast. I thought the episode turned out really well. And again, if you have any further questions about sedge control, just give me a call anytime. Enjoy. Welcome to the Weeds Are Wild podcast series as a part of Arkansas Row Crops Radio. My name is Tommy Butts, Extension Weed Scientist for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Uh, and today I get to be uh, joined by Dr. Jason Bond from Mississippi State University. He's an extension weed scientist uh, just across the river there in uh, Stoneville. Uh, Jason, you want to say hi or give a little intro or shout out to our, our wonderful audience out there? I uh, appreciate it, Tommy. Nice to be on the podcast with you. So I'm Jason Bond. I'm an extension weed scientist, as Tommy said. I work at the Delta Research Extension Center in Stoneville. So for those of you that don't know where Stoneville is, we're about 10 miles east of Greenville, uh, Mississippi, which is right on Highway 82, close to the Mississippi River. So as the crow flies, I'm probably 10 or 12 miles from the main channel of the river. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm, I'm happy to have you on. And uh, the topic today we're going to try and hit on is basically sedge control this year and just the calls that we've been getting. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's a whole mess of different sedges we're dealing with, especially in our rice acres. But this year, more than ever, it seems to be popping up across all our cropping systems. Um, and so, Jason, I know you you mentioned before when we were talking that you've had a lot of calls across everything. And so I just figured I'd turn it over to you quick just to, to hit on a little bit some of the calls you've been seeing, what crops, you know, just what's kind of popping up out there on your end over there in Mississippi. So the sedge calls, texts that I get. I just, I guess, make the assumption that it's yellow nut sedge. We definitely have some purple nut sedge, but as a rule, it's going to be yellow nut sedge. With the weather that we had from February until just a couple, two or three weeks ago, a very conducive environment for sedge to really go wild. We had that dry period you know, right in the middle of February, I think like the week after Valentine's Day. And then we probably had rain, Tommy, on Stoneville latitude at least every five or seven days for seven or eight weeks in a row. Yeah, so, we were the same way in Arkansas. It just never seemed to, you get a couple days, think you could dry out, and then all of a sudden it rain again, and you were just all starting all over again. So, Yeah, so a lot of work in spurts, burn down that was beautiful starting out, just really fizzled there at the end. So with all that rain, was a really good environment for sedge. And then we didn't get a lot of post treatments out on those early corn acres too. So that allowed some of that to come on up that where you had an acre that might've got a post treatment earlier and then it stayed wet, wasn't able to get across it to get a treatment on. And then the sedge, you know, showed up that you probably would have controlled with that general post-emergence corn treatment. So 
calls on corn, pre-plant calls on soybeans, you know, those big, ugly patches that you get in bean fields and cotton fields too. So uh, less so on rice so far, but our rice acres are low even even for us, but those, those will come too. So it's been mainly, I guess, corn and soybeans and then cotton to a lesser degree. Yeah. And, and, and like you're saying too, my, you know, so far my calls have been mainly the yellow nut sedge that's up. You know, some guys are trying to prepare for, for the annual flat sedges in rice and we'll hit on those a little bit later, but yeah, as of right now, it's been that yellow nut sedge. And really I attribute to that, attribute that to just like you said, the year, you know, yellow nut sedge is a really wet condition weed, but it also likes cool conditions. And relatively speaking, we've been cool up until this week when we finally started hitting nineties and stuff. And, uh, you know, yellow likes that cool temperature, starts germinating really good at like soil temps of 45 degrees. And so it's just been an ideal situation for that thing to be taken off. Whereas our annual flat sedges are normally kind of a later season, higher temp, higher soil temperature type weed. Um, so I'm right there with you. That's that's what we've been battling too. Um, as far as control measures, you know, what, what have been some of your best recommendations for, especially the different crops you mentioned, and we can get into rice after that, but the, the calls you've been getting, what are your recommendations to try and take care of that yellow nut sedge? Well, in corn, we have the luxury of being able to use permit, which is for us up to this point, been a reliable treatment. We don't have any ALS resistant yellow nut sedge in Mississippi that we know of. And so that's a, a really good option for us on the corn acres. In the other row crops, you know, soybeans and cotton is just Roundup and, and Roundup and more Roundup and a, a higher rate of Roundup, which has never been an issue until 2022. And then price being what it is, you can get a little pushback when you tell somebody, well, you know, three pints of Roundup will beat it down pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, that comes along with sticker shock this year. But that really, there's nothing better in a, a field that will be soybeans or a field that will be cotton other than a high rate of Roundup. You know, we have some options in soybeans if it's a STS or bolt bean, but those are really limited. I don't know what percent of our acres would be planted to those soybean varieties, but it's not very many. Yeah, that's the same for us in Arkansas. It's, it's pretty limited as far as the STS and bolt goes. And uh, I'm right there with you. You know, the permit and corn is a great, a great option. Uh, it helps us out a lot. Uh, it, when it comes to beans from a post perspective, you know, I'm, again, I'm there with you too. Roundup and a lot of it is a really good option, but this year it's so expensive. You, you, like you said, you get a lot of, <laughs> a lot of cuss words, let's say thrown at you because of that. And the other thing that we've seen work really good on our end is, you know, you can do a tank mix for a lot of our crops anymore with Roundup plus Liberty. And especially if it's small, adding the Liberty has helped a lot. But again, we're right back in the circle there. Well, that's an ex crazy expensive treatment this year with, with the high price of the glufosinate side of things too. So if you, you know, can even find it, if you can find it, that's a good point as well. So, I mean, there there's options, but especially this year, they're really not good options when it comes to kind of the soybean cotton front. I'm right there with you. Um, have you had any luck on in the cotton front with, you know, Envoke or, you know, are there restrictions like, because of some of the plant back restrictions and things? Are there guys that like a, that tend to avoid that? What's, you know, what's the Envoke side look like for you? Envoke will, I think people would mostly be satisfied with Envoke just because it's the only thing that, that gives you any control in cotton with the exception of those, you know, non-selective treatments that we talked about with the Roundup and Liberty. But by the time your cotton crop gets big enough to stand an application of invoke that you know fifth true leaf stage a lot of damage has been done by this point 
So I, I don't know that really the the juice is worth the squeeze there. And I really, I, I don't know how many ounces of Invoke that we've sprayed in cotton in Mississippi in recent years, let alone Invoke that's targeted to yellow nut sedge. It's just been very little, if any. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that, that, you know, leaf limitation. Cause I've been asked that a couple of times and I, I've tried to stress that point, but I'm glad to hear someone else bring that up of the, the injury potential. If you try and spray it earlier than that five yeah. leaf. So, and it's a hot treatment. You're going to know it regardless. Even if you spray it on six or seven leaf cotton, you're going to know that you sprayed something on there, particularly in recent years where we've did, we're almost averse to injuring cotton, even with dual. So we, we don't like to do that. So you'll definitely see that if you spray in. But another point of confusion that I've, I've cleared up, not a lot, but just a couple of guys, Invokes an ALS herbicide, Staples an ALS herbicide. I have talked to folks that questioned whether Staple was good on sedge too, and it's not. They're a different family, same mode of action, different family, but they have different targets too. They have some targets in common, but then the others are different. So I would not rely on Staple at all, you know, thinking about yellow nut sedge. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's a good distinction too. Uh, and actually kind of speaking of that too, as far as warnings go, I did want to mention, we had talked about using permit in corn and, uh, you know, if we have STS or bolt soybeans, you can use permit there too, for yellow nuts edge control. The one warning I did want to throw out there is that, uh, in both Arkansas and Mississippi, if we happen to be rotating with rice, then uh, just beware of spraying that permit every single year. Cause that's a great way for us to build resistance. And then we got nothing for that yellow nut sedge moving forward. So I just wanted to throw that out there that if you know, you got a bad yellow nut sedge problem, be careful with our rotations and spraying permit every year. Cause that could be a little bit dangerous on that end too. Um, as far as too, I wanted to mention some residual options in case we do, if we do get stuff burned down, but we know we're in a bad field where we're just going to have yellow nut sedge that, that keeps on coming at us. You know, in soybeans, dual magnum continues to always be my best thing when it comes to a residual for knocking back yellow nut sedge. Uh, I will say several other herbicides that incorporate like the ALSs like we talked about or, you know, have multiple modes of action with some PPOs and things like that generally are pretty good as well. So, you know, I'm looking at stuff like Canopy, Trivents, um, Fierce XLT that has the ALS in it, the new Tendovo from Syngenta, all of those have shown to be pretty good as far as uh, yellow nut sedge control too. But when it comes back down to price, I mean, you can't ever beat some some metolachlor out there for yellow nut sedge residual control. And I think the important thing you said there, Tommy, was pretty good. Yeah. And that's about as good as it is, is pretty good. Yep. Uh, so if you envision residual herbicides in you know, a treated area versus a non-treated area, like you, you know, skip a strip in the field and you picture those really dense, thick weeds versus a, a clean spot. You're not going to have that with dual on yellow nut sedge. If you do have a, a, a strip that gets left untreated for whatever reason, you'll be able to tell the difference, but it is not going to be daylight and dark difference. I mean, I would say fair and, you know, your definition of fair, whether that's in mine and Tommy's world, 60%, 65%, or whether it's 80%, everybody's definition that's going to be a little bit different but it is not by any means 100 percent control but you, you will get some suppression with it for sure 
That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a helper. It's not a home run hitter, but it's definitely uh it's definitely helps. And if you're in one of those bad fields, it can be a role player. That's for sure. Sure, and it's better than anything else. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely worth a shot. That's I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I always have that conversation when I get asked, "Well, what's best?" Well, this may be best. That doesn't mean it's good, right? It's right. it's best right. case scenario, but yeah. So that's that's a good distinction too. Um, so we we kind of uh, went around the rice side of things. We might as well jump into rice too. And really, and on my side, and, and you can you know break into as I'm talking here, Jason. But the, it always boils down to me for yellow nuts edge. ALS inhibitors are still the the cream of the crop when it comes to that. Um, league as a residual option tends to be really good. But if we're trying to kill stuff that's up, up at um, post, you know, it's it goes back to the halosulfuron. So the permit permit plus is gambits of the world. And I really don't have a preference between those three because it's all the halosulfuron. So really, it, it to me, any of those three can work depending on your price point and what else you might have out there you're trying to get. Um, but that's what boils down to me as being best case scenario. Uh, I have had a little bit of luck with Moyant. It's kind of a little bit hit or miss, depends on size. It's just it's not near as consistent and good to me as the ALSs are for yellow nut sedge. And then bassagrain and propanil is kind of in that okay category too. If you hit it when it's small, you can do a pretty good job at burning it back, but it's not, the ALSs are definitely to me, the, the best, best of the world there. hundred percent agree with that, Tommy. And the, the gambit or the permit plus or the permit price, and then maybe what your secondary targets are too. those, you can separate those a little bit when you get into some, Weeds that are really, really bad, if you're the dude that's got them, they're most of the time out of sight, out of mind. So thinking about things like spreading dayflower, Pennsylvania smartweed, those species that you don't have maybe on a whole lot of acres, but if you have them, then they're probably up close to the top of your priority list. Texas weed is one that we have further south, mainly south of Highway 82 in Mississippi. That can be really, really tough to control. Uh, and Permit Plus does a nice job on it, and Gambit does as well. So I would think about those ALSs in the context of what else is out there that you're targeting. So, for example, Gambit may be a better choice than straight Halosulfuron or Permit just because you've got another species out there that you want to pick up at the same time. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that completely. Um Outside of yellow nut sedge, I think we got a good coverage on that one there. We do have a bunch of annual flat sedges that are probably – fixing to come on now. I mean, we we're hitting these higher temps. We're getting later in the season. Those things really want to start coming on now. Um, you know, how bad are your annual sedges over there in Mississippi, Jason? Do you deal a lot with rice flat sedge? You got other, you know, random ones. What are you dealing with on that front over there? We have rice flat sedge would be the primary annual sedge that we have. And it's bad in places. We have very little continuous rice. And then I guess a lot of that continuous rice is also zero grade. There's some that's not, but it's predominates on those acres. Uh, and then we have some in other areas too. We have a lot of rice that's, you know, one in one rice and beans and even one in two rice and beans. So we, we break up that cycle of that particular weed a lot. And the flat sage was funny, man. When we first started picking up problems with resistant annual flat sedge, rice flat sedge, whatever, whichever name you want to use. There were guys that were, they were rice guys. They were rice consultants. They didn't even know what that thing was because they'd always controlled it when they were controlling something else. So you know, particularly in a pro 
Peniel based program. So they were spraying a little grass and they were picking up that little sage too before it was even getting big enough to notice it was there. Uh, and then when it stopped dying, well, you know, when we moved to permit heavy system and it stopped dying, then it really became a, a real driver for us. But I think between our rotations and some, and then some of the other treatments that we're using, Sharpen, for example, we kind of, I won't say we have that one under control, but it's not a widespread problem for us like it was maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah, and see that, and that one uh, is really flaring back up bad over here now in the past couple of years, a lot because of the reason, like you said, just kind of the opposite way. When we had switched to the the permit, permit pluses, gambit systems of the world, it was knocking all of those out. And basically we were controlling all our sedges with one chemistry, right? The, flint, the annual sedges, the yellow nut sedge didn't matter. We saw a sedge, boom, we killed it with the ALSs. Now, all of a sudden, because we have such widespread ALS resistance in our rice flat sedge populations over here, now, when we spray that, we may knock out our yellow nut sedge, but all of a sudden we got all this other annual sedge and it's it's relearning that, oh, okay, these are different different species. We got to control them differently now and, and trying to go back through that whole process. Um, so that's kind of where we're hitting now where we're having some issues. Um, like I said, with that ALS resistance being so widespread on our side, we don't really recommend you know the permits, gambits, any of those right. in the world anymore for that. And we've gone strictly mainly to like the basagran and propanils of the world, uh, which is still a really good treatment. But if you got a blanket carpet, you know, population out there getting good coverage and making sure you're hitting all those small little plants can be a challenge. Uh, Loyant has been really good with us. If you can spray it, that comes with its whole other realm of, you know, problems. But sure. Loyant has been very successful there. Um, and Rogue with now with the new label post flood is going to be, I think, a real nice option for Arkansas growers. If you're on zero grade or you're on straight levied fields, there's some extra caveats there too. But I think that'll help out a lot of our growers over here as well, trying to get that back under under control. And you mentioned the Sharpen Pre and stuff. Yeah, Sharpen and Bolero Pre add a lot too if we can get those out. Uh, you know, giving us some residual control, especially now with some of this later planted rice, that'll go a long way as well. So I'm hundred percent right there with you on that front too. Get those out. If you know, you have a problem. Most of the treatments that we've used targeting flat sedge in rice have, have been propanil and basagran or rice bow. A fair amount of rice bow goes out for that, you know, in the fields that have it, but by and large, we're not a big propanil state. And so that that application, you know, the, the volume of it, the, the price of it would get a little pushback from it. But those are the for us, the two best treatments, either that Bascram propanil or rice bow. Yeah, no, right there with you, too. As far as other crops, because I have started getting some random calls where it's popping up in our in our soybean acres because of, you know, maybe like that one to one rotation and things like that. And, uh, you know, generally it's it's somewhat similar to what we talked about with yellow nut sedge, you know, dual tends to be pretty good. Some of our PPO inhibitors do a little bit better on our annual sedges than, than like yellow nut sedge. So we already talked about the sharp in front, but Valor products do a really good job too at knocking back those annual sedges, those kinds of things. Um, Cotteran is actually pretty good in, in cotton acres. So if you get that out there, especially with break, you should be knocking back your annual sedges pretty good. Uh, and then post again, it kind of boils down to the roundup you know, liberties of the world uh, or those tank mixes. If you happen to be in the enlist system, you know, the 24D can do a pretty decent job on our annual sedges as well. And all those acres are fairly limited though in both Arkansas and Mississippi. So that's kind of hit or miss. Um, but there are a few other options, at least for those annual sedges when it comes to our other crops compared to, 
um, like the yellow nuts edge where we, where it's much more of a challenge. I think we knock this one out in our row cross pretty easy most of the times. Where I do see it is when you have a field that's completely stale seed bed. So it, it maybe not maybe completely is not the right word to use, but say it had an early burn down and we didn't do anything at planting. So it didn't get our say Gramoxone and boundary application that a lot of acres get or Gramoxone Authority Elite, whatever, you know, pre-treatments you would choose to to include there at planting. And then in those wet spots, like like now with the warmer temperature, still got some wet spots from the rain last week. You might see some here and there, but for the most part, I think we're going to knock it out with that first post-treatment of Roundup. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, the one other sedge I wanted to mention too while we're on annual sedges, it's kind of a new one, mainly so far in Arkansas and, and in the boot heel that I've been getting a lot of calls on too, is this white margined flat sedge. Uh, have you had to deal with that at all over there? I have not. I've heard y'all talk about it. And it, to my knowledge, we don't have any, and I haven't come across any personally, but if somebody has sent me a picture of it or something, then I misidentified it you know, as something else. I don't know of any that we have. I'll bring some seeds over in my pocket and drop it off for <laughs> you so you can uh, deal with it too. It's, 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 I don't know, it's just a whole different animal. I mean, it's, it's very similar to rice flat sedge, right. And our other annual flat sedges, but it's just because the ALSs don't work, we're battling it with like the loins and bassagrans of the world again, which, you know, come with their own problems, I guess, per se. And then if it does go uncontrolled, it just gets so much bigger than rice flat sedge that it takes down some rice and some guys have been really struggling with it because of that. Um, but again, you know, basically our main recommendations has been, you know, trying to kind of treat it like rice flat sedge that's ALS resistant where, you know, the permits and gambits of the world aren't going to get it. League's not going to help pre. It's using Bolero up front uh, to help as a residual, getting Bassagran out, getting Loyan out if you can. We... I haven't gotten a lot of data with rogue post flood, but I have heard some reports that it seems to be working there. So that might be an option. If you got a bad situation of it, you might be able to use rogue and some zero grades, things like that. Um, so there is some options there on the rice acres for that. As far as our other crops, it's kind of the same thing. I've seen, I've had good luck with roundups in, in a burn down, you know, Gramoxone has worked good on it. Um, I haven't tested Liberty, but I'm assuming that would work as well. So it's kind of the same as the other sedges when it comes to our other crops. But you know, on those rice acres, it's been a little bit more of a challenge. Tommy, you know where that thing came from? I mean, is it an introduced species or is it one that just started noticing more? That's a great question. I don't know officially where or like where where it came from. I do know it's kind of all originated or where I've traced it back to at least is kind of up by the Delaplane Light area in Arkansas. And it and for it's from Ford Baldwin's era because he had it ID'd by um Dr. Bryson, the sedge guy, you know, sedge yeah. doctor. And that's where like the original population that he ever messed with came from and, and where he got it ID'd at. And then now it's just I've started getting more calls about it as we've started talking about it and showing pictures and kind of, you know, getting the idea out there, some, some more people have started popping up and man, I've had calls on it all the way down around like DeWitt, you know, down there in, in South Arkansas, uh, all the way up in Northeast Arkansas, the boot heel has a lot of it. So I don't know. I like to blame Missouri. So I like to say it came out of the boot heel originally and just flowed down the cash basically and went all the way down the state. But I don't know that for a fact. I just, like I said, the first kind of confirmed case when I talked to Ford about it, it came out of like that Delaplane type area. Um, and it's just kind of spread all over now. Unrelated to sage, but we've got a few species like that, that they're not new to the state, but then all of a sudden we can't kill them anymore. 
And then you wonder, well, were we ever killing them or not noticing them? Or why or is this all of a sudden a problem? The one for the last couple of weeks has been Plains Coreopsis. Oh, yeah. Really hard to kill. I don't really have a suggestion for it. And I also don't know why in the past two weeks I've gotten 15 pictures of it, you know, from, from different people. I mean, I've, I've known it was there uh, for years, just never, we were, we were controlling it with something or something's unique about the weather this year that made it proliferate or, or there's a reason why I've gotten so many questions about it in the last two weeks. And I don't know what that is. And so this is probably a similar case. We probably tweaked a little something like we talked about with the other, you know, with the, an ALS-based program or not, and made this one just become more common and spread too. That's right. Yeah, that's that's been my line of thought too. So I, I'm right there with you on that one. Uh, is there any other, you know, oddball sedges or even oddball weeds, like you said, the Coreopsis this year? Is there anything else on the Mississippi side you've been really dealing with that's that's unique about this year that we should be on the lookout for in Arkansas? Not for sedges. You know, I will occasionally get a picture of a sedge, and it's usually that whatever that big gnarly sedge is that you see growing in drainage canals, and it's gotten out in a field, and it feels like it's six feet tall, but it's like one clump of it. You know, it's more of an oddity more than anything. So that that would be the other comment I would make on sedge. You know, generally related to that plains coreopsis, we have this yellow crest that we deal with. Mm -hmm. That's really gotten bad trying to do some work on that in the greenhouse and and figure out what will control it. It's pretty unresponsive to a lot of our standard burn down treatments. And then Virginia pepperweed. Wow. Just a lot of pepperweed. Sometimes it tracks in the areas where we have the yellow crest. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, But I stopped and took a picture last week of a bean field that was, I mean, I would have been concerned with the amount of, pepperweed that was in the field and and I wouldn't even know that it was pepperweed except that it was flowered out this I never looked at the leaves on a pepperweed before until people started sending me pictures in February and and asking me what it was and had to go figure it out so those are some three that are really oddities that I hadn't been able to put my finger on I can kind of explain it for 2022 given that warm period that we had in the fall but beyond this year I mean there's the yellow crest and the pepperweed are no more or less a problem this year than they were in 2021. So that does not completely explain them. So that was one, those are three that we're dealing with that I, I really don't have many answers for at this point. Yeah. And those have kind of started to make their way over for us too. We get a, a you know, I think both Tom and I have gotten a couple random pictures about the, the yellow crest after we've talked to you about it and started to be able to pick that up and the pepperweed, I'm exactly the same as you, I, you know, I got some of those winter annual pictures back in February and my like, man, I don't know, you know, these random leaves and stuff. Yeah, that, Jeff, you know, Jeffrey's purse or something. Don't worry yeah, about it. Right. It'll and die. then now all of a sudden the flowers are popping yeah. out and it's like, oh crap, that's yeah, that's definitely pepperweed. Whoops. All right. Well now we got a problem. So yeah, I've been right there with you too. It's just, and I, and again, it's been too widespread this year and, and taken up too many fields to just be the year it's, it's been there. There's been something else right. happening. And now all of a sudden this year maybe made it worse, but it, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pretty well, so crazy. Last week, I was in a, a text group and Tom was in there and uh, I posed a question about mayweed. I had a guy had a bunch of mayweed in the field and Tom mentioned something about ALS herbicides and maybe y'all have, even have some ALS resistant mayweed. A little uh, bit. Yeah. But I, but I can't really track these other species with anything like that. 
I don't know what what is making these particular ones so bad all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I don't know either. That's it, it seems ridiculous at this point that we're still battling winter annuals in the middle of May. So that's kind of frustrating. But yeah, when it's got to be every bit of 93 or four outside. Right. Right now, here. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, just a couple other things I wanted to mention. I'm sure you got a couple things you wanted to mention here too on these fronts, Jason. But uh, again, on the outreach front, I just wanted to uh, to tell all our listeners, if you ever need any information from us, make sure to check out our, our website, uh, uaex.uada.edu forward slash weeds. Make sure to grab an MP44 pub for all our recommended chemicals and things like that for, for all different crops and, and different uses. You can get that from your local extension office or, or download from online. Uh, make sure to sign up for our texting service if you haven't done that. And and as always, you know, feel free to get a hold of us, you know, individually with any questions. Give us a call, send us a text, get through, you know, contact us through your county agent, anything along those lines. Um, Jason, any of the extension front at Mississippi State there you want to mention? Yeah, I'll just direct everyone to our crops blog, which is the Mississippi crop situation. It's been around for a long time, started out as a newsletter with the entomologist way back when and, and grew into a full-blown blog, I don't know, 12 or 14 years ago. And now it's evolved into our podcast, which is the Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast. We link all those episodes on the blog so they're easy to find if you're accustomed to to looking at the written information that Mississippi State Extension row crop folks put out, then you can find our the episodes of our podcast there as well. So ours is pretty general. We you know hit a lot of topics, entomology, plant pathology, weed science, uh, when it's relevant, we kind of just chase what's going on uh, at the time. So I would encourage your listeners to to check us out too. You know, we're good for driving down the road for 25 or 30 minutes and get a little bit different perspective on what's going on in the Delta. Yeah, that's right. And, and there's a lot of situations that go back and forth between our two states. So getting information from a couple different places is never a bad thing. That's always a good idea. Um, final thing, just a couple thank yous. Uh, like, as always, I want to thank the uh, Arkansas Commodity Boards, uh, USDA NIFA and USDA ARS for, uh, you know, contributing a lot of the funding that goes to our research programs, as well as helping provide extension opportunities that we're able to do, um, such as our, our podcast series here. Um, Jason, I'm sure you got a lot of funding that you'd like to thank too. So I'll let you take over. Quick. Yeah, I mean, we have all those, you know, similar sources that support our research here at Stoneville and in Starkville as well. So we appreciate that. And I appreciate you inviting me on here, Tommy, and, and giving me an opportunity to share some thoughts with you. No, thank you for joining and, and providing your insights and what you have uh, you know been recommended and dealing with over there too. I really appreciate it. So is there any, any final comments, anything last minute to add? Now, if we can do anything for you, man, just just holler at me. If you have anybody in South Arkansas, you know, I'm pretty close, pretty readily available. If I can do anything for any of y'all, just give me a call. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, thank you to all uh, to our listeners for continuing to join us for the podcast. And so with that, I just want to say thanks for joining us for this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on Arkansas Row Crops Radio. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.